Off, me and my click put on. I'm like a young man. I'm here to get your bitch off. Like I'm Ric Flair. Little finger to the big boss. Man, aka police. Cause I'm over your head like guitar. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to episode 8 of the Middle Aged Outlaws podcast. I'm Ross and I'm here as always with Adam. Adam, how's it going? Yeah, not bad. You? I'm good, thanks. I've got I've got WrestleMania fever after watching all these this, <laughs> this uh, kind of trip and trip down nostalgia lane. It's been uh, it's been great fun. Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, so our plan, as we spoke about at the end of our last podcast, after our brains were scrambled trying to rebook the invasion, was to uh, look at the WrestleManias. Um, we're going to do a little WrestleMania themed few episodes before WrestleMania 37. Um, so we have been looking at WrestleManias from the 80s and the 90s and we're going to rank our, our top five of those. Um, so first WrestleMania was in 1985. Um, so we've had 15 to choose from. How's it been for you to, to come up with a top five? Uh, I think, you know, like, like most things, there were a couple that sprang to mind straight away. There were actually a couple of disappointments in there that you you sort of look back and think, oh, that'll have been good. I'll give that a watch, and then didn't really measure up to to what you thought or what you remembered. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of found uh, like my fandom it's kind of split into a couple of categories here because I I lost a little bit of interest probably after ten up till about fourteen, um. So. I think you do always look back to to what you know you enjoyed at the time, um, and equally the the really early ones. So anything before five, really, I saw them, but I was playing catch up. I hadn't seen them anywhere near the time they were on or anything mm-hmm. like that. And I think the first video that I bought of a mania was five. So right. that one still has fond memories. And anything before felt quite old in comparison. Yeah, I'm the same. But with WrestleMania six, I want to say that I can I can close my eyes and see the cover of that video, <laughs> no problem at all. I, I feel the same. So, 
six is probably my first mania that I've got fond memories of um, and go forward to nine um, and then probably 15 uh, and in retrospect I went back and watched um, 14 um, but I, do you know I, I don't think I'm doing any, doing any spoilers here making any spoilers by saying that nine didn't make my top five um, <laughs> I remember absolutely cherishing the VHS that I had of WrestleMania nine. I absolutely loved it as a as a kid. Um, but yeah, no, it's not making any top. Well, there's fifteen WrestleMania. It's probably not making the top sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really um, bad. Yeah, I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't need to rewatch that one. Um, I just kind of knew. Um, and I just, uh, uh, I was so annoyed at the time by the ending that it kind of would have ruined everything before it for me anyway. Aye. It does have some, some okay matches in it. Um, but aye, Hogan was black eye. <laughs> I, oh, 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 the irony. Um, anyway, shall we shall we jump right in? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued to see what you've got for me here. Uh, I think you've just, uh, you've told me that five's going to be in there, but I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see... Um, what you've got and, and how different our picks are and stuff so go for it, what's your five? Okay, so I was talking to you earlier about the fact that um, I was struggling to get some of them in an order but this mm. one fell quite easily because it was the last one I kind of decided to put in here and beforehand I don't think I would have thought this would have been on my list so I've surprised myself a little bit with it. Okay. So my number five is WrestleMania seven. Okay. Now, I'll uh, I'll just mention the fact I didn't love the main event, and that was you know it was Hogan uh, Slaughter. against Slaughter. Is it? Yeah. And I never I don't know if it's uh you know the, the again the years of my fandom I didn't see Slaughter on that level so it felt like a bit of a you know cheap main event um, because I suppose many Hogan ones were the same but I, I went into it with absolutely no doubt who would win um, and I just didn't see them as being on a par so I didn't love the main event and when I had when I actually looked below that that's when I realised that actually this is one I needed to look at so struggling to remember uh, beforehand what uh, what particular mania some of my favourite matches were on but the standout for me on this was the Macho Man Ultimate Warrior um, which was the retirement match and I think we're probably similar in terms of fandom that you know Savage and Warrior were there you know when, when we were kids when we were watching and they were always you know pretty near the top of the card they were big stars and um, uh, Savage had gone heel for you know the Hogan program back at Mania Five, and he'd kind of been a heel ever since. And then in the build up to this, he'd cost Warrior the title when they put it on Slaughter at the the Royal Rumble, and they have this match that's supposed to be a retirement match, but we all know how retirement matches go <laughs> in uh, in wrestling. But it was really heated, really well told story, um, and they they go through you know he's overacting it a bit, he's hamming it up a bit, but they go through this. Does Warrior actually still want to do this, um, or does he want to just walk away? And it that Savage drops. I think it's, it's four or five elbow drops from the top rope, 
and then Warrior kicks out and then goes through his, his finishing manoeuvre with the introduction of some, uh, I don't know what to call them, like running shoulder blocks. Um, yeah, it bounces and, off the rope. Yeah, delivers a hell of a lot of those and then, you know, the the uh, the press slamming and the splash and all that. And um, covers Savage with, you know, just a foot on the chest and that's after he'd kicked out of the... Um, the, the five elbow drops. So as a kid, I'm watching this and I'm absolutely loving it. I'm thinking it's amazing. I didn't really care at the time about the fact Warrior, you know, you can tell he's a bit limited, um, but they actually perform a really good match. I've no doubt Savage was behind most of that, but um, I just thought that was a real, you know, top tier match and kind of made up for the fact that I didn't see the main event as a main event. Aye. Um, because those two were main event uh, performers in my eyes. So that match was what made me think, right, I need to actually go and, and re have a look at the card on this. And then I remembered this was also the mania that had a match we've discussed before, Jake Roberts, Rick Martel blindfold match. Yes. See, I've not got seven on my list, but if I did, it would be because of that. <laughs> and it's, you know, we've talked uh, previously about I think it was on our finishing move uh, podcast yeah. that um, that that's it's just a a really different you know how hardly anything happens in the match but it's kind of gripping at the same time um, and again as a as a youngster watching it absolutely loved it um, there's a, a Undertaker I think WrestleMania debut um, he'd been at Survivor Series the year before but um, he is against up against Jimmy Snuka and they're kind of building. Uh, Undertaker is the monster heel and he, you know, disposes of Snooker pretty pretty easily. Um, there's also a pretty good match between Bossman and Mr. Perfect, which mm -hmm. I've got memories again that we've talked about we've before. We've talked about that before and we're talking about the Intercontinental Championship. Yes, that's yeah, right. That was yeah. a good match. I remember going back and watching that yep. uh, at that time. Um, and there's some, some other nice, like, uh, LOD appear on the, this mania and always a team... I think, for me anyway, more associated with WCW than WWF and one of those that you kind of heard about but I, I hadn't seen much of them or anything like that. Um, there's also a, a Rockers against Haku and Barbarian match which is, you know, the high flyers against big powerhouses. Um, so yeah, it's... Uh, it's nasty boys, the Heart Foundation there as well. Yeah, and I don't know if that's uh, any good. I'm just, I'm just looking down the card. I, th I think it just annoyed me a bit that uh, that the nasty boys won it. Um, <laughs> I remember being just irritated by that. Um, yeah, there's, it's one of those, and I think when you mentioned this when you you messaged me about certain manias where the card's huge. You know, there's a lot of matches on here, um, and some of them get hardly any time and things like that. But and there's a there's a match that I think it's bulldog against. Um, Bulldog against Warlord, who are just these ridiculously, almost grotesque, jacked-looking guys, <laughs> um, where it looks like if you went in with a pin, you could just deflate both of the, the performers. But, um, you know, I, I, I just felt that it was one that sort of flew under the radar in my mind because I didn't like the main event, but when I actually looked into it, I really enjoyed the show. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. I, I, I enjoy that mania as well. Um, just didn't make a cut for me, but I there's definitely good things about it. Um, um, sorry, go. On. Yeah, the the only other thing I was going to mention was um, there's the the sort of climax of the conclusion of the Virgil de Dibiase story on this, 
and you know Ted DiBiase, very good performer over the years. Virgil had been his, um, I don't know what the, was he his servant? Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and this was him finally, you know, standing up to him and giving him his comeuppance with all the prop promptings of Roddy Piper. And now when I look and I just see Virgil as this guy who couldn't really perform, he had a good look, but... What do you mean? Yeah. He's a world-class boxer. <laughs> but um, it, it, I remember, again, as a kid, I, I really liked the fact that this guy finally stood up and, you know, um, stood up for himself and, and things like that. So, yeah, just one more thing that t sort of ticked a box as a kid. And uh, the last thing that I was going to mention about, and I don't know, I can't remember what Mania 6 had, but um, the, the commentary team being Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Nice. And um, the commentary team can have such an important part in, in what the Mania is like. Um, and they were one of my favourite double acts, so really enjoyed their sort of banter and picking at each other and winding mm. each other up through the show. Will you stop? Absolutely. <laughs> That's one. Uh, I'll, 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 aye. That is one of the things I think, especially a WrestleMania makes a WrestleMania is, is the the commentators. Yeah. Um, it's been interesting watching through them and seeing the different um, pairings that we've had. Um, yeah. Is that your pick then? Number uh, WrestleMania seven for number five. Yep, that's my pick. Cool. Um, my number five. Uh, which I'll be interested to see if you've got on your list, is WrestleMania 6. Yeah, this was the one I ruled out earlier. Oh, was it? Yep. Straight off the bat? Yeah, no, it was... Um, I, I, sorry, I decided sorry not you to disappeared there for a little second. All right, sorry. Um, I, I, I didn't get why you ruled it out, sorry. Uh, I, I just, when I look back through the card... Um, you know, I loved the top line match uh, mm -hmm. as a kid. I thought it was amazing and pro two proper, the two stars really at the time. But what fell under it didn't grab me as much as some of the others did. I, I do think there's some good stuff on it. It just didn't quite grab me in as much as the others. Okay, cool. Um, let's let's start at the top. Um, we've got the, the ultimate challenge, Intercontinental Champion against WWF Champion. Uh, <clears throat> Hogan versus Warrior, which um, was really interesting to go back and watch. Like as a kid, I've got memories of it just being this ridiculous, amazing spectacle, um, an event, and and going back and watching it, it it's weird because I, I feel kind of conflicted about it. Um, if you put the cynical hat to the side and just watch it for what it is, it's brilliant. It's really really good. Yeah. Um, looking at it from another lens, I think there's one wrestling move that uh, that you class as a wrestling move. At one point, Ultimate Warrior suplexes Hogan. Um, with the, ex the exception of that, it's clotheslines, test of strength, a bear hug. I mean, they're padding this out. It's 24 <laughs> minutes, they're padding this out. But the, f the crowd are going mental for it. Yeah. They're absolutely loving it. Um there's the classic, uh, you know, the crisscrossing, bouncing off the ropes, um, which I have no idea why they started doing that. It doesn't make sense at all, but it looks cool. Um, the build-up to this, like at WrestleMania 6 and, and some of the WrestleManias earlier than this as well, I think, you know, they come out on the, the little rings that take them out to the, that bring them out to the ring. Yeah. 
Um, whereas you've got Warrior sprinting down and you've got Hogan walking out and it just, all of it just, it's just a massive spectacle. And like I say, put the cynical, so like, what are they doing? So uh, hat to the <laughs> side and, and just enjoy it for what it is. It's brilliant. And I, I genuinely think it's untouchable as a main event of WrestleMania for what you look back on as a kid and think like that that was that was the sort of pinnacle um two over the top larger than life characters fighting each other that you, you wouldn't expect to happen so um really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um elsewhere on the card something that that was uh, popping up to me quite a lot was in these earlier manias as you're getting count outs and disqualifications happening quite a lot in matches um, which I actually quite liked uh, and another thing you're getting is people don't always have to be put away by a finisher sometimes somebody falls off the ropes and they get put away or or like a, a genuinely good reason Yeah. Um, but uh, you've got the reason I'm saying that you've got Million Dollar Man uh, beats Jake Roberts by count out, which is a really good match. And um you got Jake cutting this ridiculous promo before it. Like the absolute master of psychology. Uh, I, when I was watching it I was thinking, I wonder if because he, obviously he's working in the AEW now, I wonder if they have him given classes or whatever on, on promos. Yeah, they, they should so good. Yeah. Yeah, I've just I, I'm looking at the card and I've just remembered one other reason I didn't like this show. Oh, what what? Now I, I I might be parroting Conrad Thompson a little bit here because I'm sure he's gone on a rant about this, but it did annoy me as well when I realised it was the case. Mister Perfect was on an unbeaten run, and it was Brutus the Barber Beefcake that ended it. Aye, <laughs> uh, that's pretty disappointing. Do you know? Um, uh, I was speaking to Pat today, who's sent us in comments and stuff on the show before. He was telling me that um, Bruce Beefcake wasn't, or I should say, the genius, uh, wasn't aware that Bruce Beefcake was going to cut his hair after the match, and he genuinely chased after him and cut his hair. Wow, <laughs> that's probably quite terrifying. That's brilliant. Oh, were they <laughs> big garden shears? Yeah. What are you thinking? Um, so. Another thing about this WrestleMania was it answered one of the big wrestling questions that I've always had, Adam. Um, it was, where did Shane McMahon get his, his style from, his wrestling style with the quick feet? Uh, and always on the go. And I had it answered by this mixed tag team match between uh, Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire and uh, Randy Savage and, and uh, is Queen Sherry there. What you call yeah. Sensational Sherry. Sensational Sherry. Sherry. Um, Sapphire is on the go as soon as she's in that <laughs> ring she is on the go with a fancy footwork non-stop I've, I've no doubt about it she was she was taking a young young Shane McMahon um, <laughs> aside backstage and showing her how to work that, that footwork she's incredible nice. <laughs> um, oh and I, something that was putting me off and actually um, I think I texted you this it was maybe this or, or another one but I, I put it off when I was watching it, when Roddy Piper turns round when he's getting interviewed and his whole body is half painted black, I have no idea why. Yeah. It is, I assume this is a, a race thing, but yeah, he wrestles the match in half black face. 
I never really understood it, but it's really weird. Yeah, I think when I, 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 I the last time I watched that match or anything in the build-up in this mania, I had no idea of the context. And it, it this is one of the things, and I'll, I'll mention this when we go later, actually, that matches, certainly I did, you know, a bit of studying and took some notes when preparing for this. I wasn't watching any of the TV or reading up on any of the sort of background and things like that. I was kind of relying on what they had in the package and the build-up or what the commentators talked about. And I didn't grasp anything in terms of the storyline reason for that. It was really, really odd. But anyway, I mean, Piper Piper tends to give you a good match. This was a short match, but yeah. a good match. Um, and finally, a couple of things. Um, we had Rhythm and Blues performing their hit single, Hunka, Hunka, <laughs> Hunka, Hunka, Honky Love. Nice. <laughs> it was nice to see Greg the Hammer Valentine with the most ridiculous dyed black hair you've ever seen. I bet he was loving that whole programme. Uh, I bet he was. G- guess guess who, who, do you know, a wee bit of trivia, do you know who drove them out to the ring? In a pink oh, Cadillac. This. Is it DDP? It's DDP, yeah. Yeah. Bang. Um, and I, Gorilla Monsoon and, and uh, The Body on commentary, who are just nice. co- like, absolute comedy. I think, I think they're my favourite duo. Yeah, I th- I think I slightly favour Heenan with Monsoon, but I, I I really like both. To be fair, I think they're they're both excellent combinations. Yeah, they're so funny. And I th- I was looking at the. Yep. So WrestleMania at six. That's my number five. What's your four? Okay, my four is WrestleMania eight. Now. I have a little bit of a rant to have about this. Hold on. Full disclosure, that's my number two. Ah, okay. So, so let's jump in together. But go on, hit out your rant. Always, I'm always up for a rant. Okay, so starting as we have tended to do, which is the headline match, but oh, it shouldn't be the headline match. Um, for some reason... It's not Hogan, the headline match. Hogan v Sid goes on as main event. And... It shouldn't be. And I know... Hogan is the star, and he's pretty much untouchable. But certainly in this era, your world title match should be your main event match. Um, so that annoyed me, and I, I think it even annoyed me as a kid, because I didn't understand it. I didn't <laughs> understand why this match was on when it was on. And then looking back, I wondered, because it's, it's not a great match, it's two, you know, big guys, Hogan and Sid. Um there seemed to be a desire not to hurt either of them um, mm. because I think it kind of looks like Sid has the upper hand through the match and then um, Papa Shango gets involved later on and then the warrior comes out and I do remember liking the warrior coming out as a mm. kid because there's something like, I think the commentary they say something like uh, Hogan hasn't got a friend left or something like that and then just as that said warrior music hits and he runs out and, and makes the save. And as a kid, I was I was loving seeing Warrior back. You know, I thought I thought that was great. But yeah, I, it, it wasn't a great match. Um, and for me, should not have been on last, which just annoyed me a little bit. What did you think of Papa Shango as a kid? Uh, I think he, I just thought it was weird. 
I don't remember being unnerved by it at all. I think I just like what what is that? It was weird. Eh? Yeah. I think in was was had Warrior been away for for a while before this, or had he been back? I I don't. I know he had a couple of disputes where he left over money a couple of times. I think he was still there. I think he left at the SummerSlam after Mania 7. Right. Um, there was some sort of fallout and he held up Vince for money. Um, and he basically, I think on the day or the day before, said something like, um, he was teaming with Hogan against Slaughter and his group. And he basically said something like, I'm, I'm not going out unless you give me X amount. And I think the story goes that Vince paid him, they did the show, and then he fired him straight after. Um, so I think this was his first appearance back since then. So it would have been, you know, not that I was watching the TV at the time, but it would have been off for quite a few months. Um, well, the reason I was asking is when I was thinking about Shango is that I've got... I never looked this up or anything, but I've got memories of, of him, like, making... Warrior vomit and yeah, did he have, so, did he have stuff come out of his eyes or something like that? Yeah, it, it was something like that, and I think that would have been straight after. So they would have gone in a program straight after Mania. Mm, that would make sense. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it was a weird. Think, it was a weird finish, and like you say, they're, they're they're probably just trying to make both guys look strong. Yeah. But no doubt Hogan would. Have had some um, sort of say in that and remain yeah, strong. Yeah, they, they they were playing the story during it that this could well be Hulk Hogan's mm. last ever match, and they were playing that sort of narrative all the way through. Um, so obviously it wasn't, but I think, well, you know, he appeared at Mania Nine, he appeared in the build up to that, and then we we, we know what happened. But um, yeah, so nothing against you know the general story. It's more just I didn't feel like it should be on last, no, and I, I could understand it more if it was like a, you know, clearly going to be a classic match or something like that. But it was never going to be. Do you think this is to do with Flair being a W seen as a WCW NWA guy rather than WWF? I don't know. Possibly. I mean, I think the surprise for everyone was that they didn't go into a Flair Hogan program because mm. um, they they never did that in WWF. Um, apparently they did house shows and it, it didn't really get the reaction they hoped it would so they, they pivoted a bit and I think felt like Flair and Savage would have more chemistry which I, I certainly felt like it they did based on the match they had and the, the storyline they had um, yeah I, I, it still feels like a bit of a missed opportunity because I think that was probably a, a, a dream match for a lot of people mm. Um, certainly, anyone who followed both uh, both sides, I think, would have been disappointed not to see that when they actually had the two in the same company. Um, so yeah, I uh, I loved everything around this sort of newly babyface or once again babyface uh, Randy Savage. Um, so he is in the title match against Flair, which is a little bit earlier on the card, um, and I just loved the match. There's uh, this slightly weird story about Flair having a previous relationship with Elizabeth and Savage 
I think playing into the reality that would have been wracked with jealousy about that kind of thing. Uh, and he's talking about how he's going to show pictures that he's got of her or something like that. Yeah, which, on the big screen. Yeah. Which, really weird. For the time, I don't know, it didn't really fit. Um, he then makes reference to that. He's, he's disappointed that he never got to <laughs> see the photos. <laughs> Um, so yeah, all through the story, you've got like perfect uh, helping out, and mm. um, Flair's just a, a really good heel in this run. You know, he's he's kind of like you touched on. He's more a WCW guy, so he kind of has that slight outsider feel anyway, um, which just makes it all feel quite natural in terms of him being a heel. And it kind of felt certainly again me watching it as a youngster quite emotional to see Savage who'd been a wee bit out of the you know the very top um, for a few years to see him get back there and get the big win mm. um, so yeah I, I, I enjoyed the match though it was a, a, a well done match a well paced match it was quite um, quite gripping like it, it kept you pretty engrossed all yeah. through it so yeah um, that was what I thought was, was one of the highlights of the show do you enjoy that match? Loved it uh, it's, that's the main the main match on there for me, um, Flair getting bloodied up and just looking, you know, he cuts a promo after the match and he's just looking insane. Yeah. It's brilliant. The match is, like you say, is brilliant. There's a there's an instance where um, Savage comes off the ropes and Flair back body drops him over the ropes. Yep. It is ridiculous. I've never seen anybody go <laughs> over the ropes like that. It goes like proper head over, like, like somebody going off their bike. Yeah, nice. <laughs> but head over the heels uh, <laughs> over the ropes, it, it looks amazing. Um, did you notice Shane McMahon trying to pull them apart? Ah, I didn't. I'm now really disappointed that I didn't. He looks really young. Um, there's a you know there's a bunch of guys in suits come out and they're trying to pull them apart mm-hmm. at the end, and Elizabeth's there. Um, nah, Shane McMahon's one of them. Nice. Um, there were a few. Other thing, I think that that was you know the main thing on the card, but um, there were a few other things I enjoyed. I thought the Bret Hart Roddy Piper match was very good. How good was um, that? They they had there was a really funny dynamic if you if you watch like the interview they do before, which is one of these rare ones. Cause <laughs> it's a it's a babyface against babyface match, so they're both kind of being interviewed together, uh-huh. um, which you wouldn't normally see. But there's almost like a, they, they sort of touch on family and things like that. Um, I think with the indication being that Piper was always very close with Stu and people like that. But then it, it's almost like Roddy Piper's playing like a, a big brother who doesn't want, he doesn't think it's little brother's time yet. Uh, you know, he, he wants to be keeping down. And all that, yeah, um, and I, I, I quite like that dynamic. Um, and then there, there's a few times in the match as well where it looks like Piper has the opportunity to cheat, which even as a babyface, he's kind of known that he would do it, you know, mm-hmm. under normal circumstances, but he, he never actually bites the bullet and does it. Um, and it's another one of these matches, you touched on this earlier, where, uh, to be fair, I don't know what Brett had at the time, probably had the sharpshooter, but it's it's one with like a... It's like a, I don't know how to describe it, like a half roll-up out of springboard off the corner yeah, in the turnbuckle. Yeah, he's got, he got in a sleeper. Yeah. yeah. And it just kind of rolls it, it, it jumps and bounces, I, and yeah. it rolls it back. I like Which that. I, 
I thought, yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought that was a good finish and I always think that kind of thing leaves you somewhere to go after it and I don't know if they really did um, but it, it it looked like there wasn't an awful lot in it between the two of them and you could have then had a, another match or two if, yeah. if you'd uh, wanted to get more out of it so yeah I thought thought that was a, a bit of a standout match I liked him um, I liked all pink Brett he looked yeah he looked like a total superstar I loved that um, uh, I, I liked the, the kind of that I know you're saying it, it was the ring belly had wasn't it that, yeah that Piper refused to use but there were times where they were both fighting dirty and it, it yeah. felt natural because it felt like they were in a real battle mm-hmm. um, it was really good um, yeah a couple other things on the, the card that I enjoyed I don't know if this it was maybe my first experience of seeing uh, Shawn Michaels as Shawn Michaels mm-hmm. um, and I think this is his first Wrestlemania as yeah. a heel after breaking up the ropers and uh, you know, just him sort of trying to, I think, get to grips with that kind of character, mm. and Sensational Sherry being probably quite a good fit to have with him. Aye. So he has he has a match with uh, Tito Santana, um, and yeah, it's just I found it quite interesting to see him right at the beginnings of that character that that uh, lasted so long and went through so many different cycles. He's so um, so naturally cocky. Yeah. Uh, Charismatic, I suppose. He's he's really good at that character, even just from probably years as this kind of really really baby face in the rockers. Yeah, um, he fit right into that character. Ah, uh-huh. and uh, I quite enjoyed the um, Undertaker Jake as well. So did um, and I, I felt like that you know they they put over Undertaker strong there. He's like sitting up after DDT mm-hmm. and things like that. And um, you know if you're if you're gonna be building a guy as a a monster and a contender, it's it's a good opponent I think to put him in against somebody who's been around and has this devastating finishing move and he sits up from it. So yeah, I thought that was, you know, it's a year on from him beating Jimmy Snuka and that's a bit. Meh, you know, it's not really a, a current star. Um, so I thought putting him with Jake was was a good move and I thought it resulted in a good match. It did. Um, and, and Jake cuts another one of these sickening promos <laughs> before it. It's really good. Again, yeah. um, if you watch nothing else on this, just, he's amazing. He's so good at speaking to the camera. Um, to me, it felt like when I was younger, I felt like Undertaker and... and Jake the Snake had this huge big rivalry that seemed to go on forever, but I think this maybe only went on for you know, like a month or something like that. Yeah, yeah I, I think Jake left not long after this, right. um, and I think it was something about, uh, I can't remember if it was unhappy with the Mania payday or something, because you hear those stories quite a lot, um, that, that was a factor. Um, and it got to a stage where he was like, okay, yeah, I will put your guy over, but I want this amount, you know. Because um, he, he'd probably realised by then he's not going to get a world title run or something like that. Mm. Um, I think he ended up for a, like, going into a run in WCW after this. Nice. Cool. Um, just one other thing I wanted to mention here. Uh, and you and I spoke about it separately is the tag teams um, and yeah. I think it's a theme in these these earlier um, 
WrestleManias where t the tag team feels up there with the Intercontinental and the, the, the heavyweight, the championship belt. Um, like we spoke earlier there about the Heart Foundation and the Nasty Boys. Um, you've got Natural Disasters v Money Inc here. Um, I don't think he, if you had IRS versus Earthquake, I don't think he would be like <laughs> salivating at the mouth to watch it. Yeah. But but Money Inc were to me a really good team. Yeah. Um, working together and uh, natural disasters as well. A couple of big guys there, Earthquake and Typhoon. Yeah. Um. I, I'm with you. That's my number two. That's your number four. Yeah. Nice. So my number four is WrestleMania ten. Okay, so that is actually my number one. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want to leave it until we get to one, or shall we just jump in with that? Oh, I don't mind. I think we can just go ahead. Okay. Um, to me, this is this WrestleMania is um, all about two matches. Is that fair? I think so. Um, I've noted a few other things that were more like I enjoyed it because I was still quite young, you know, and yeah. it fitted what I was looking for. But uh, assuming we're going to talk about the same two matches, yeah, I think there's two absolute standouts on this. Yeah. Um, the first being Bam Bam and Luna versus <laughs> Dink and Doink. Um, my highlight of that match being uh, Vince on commentary pointing out that Dink is a powerhouse in his own right. <laughs> Brilliant. He'll have said it so sincerely as well. <laughs> Unfortunately, King didn't ask him what that meant. But <laughs> um, so we start. It's pretty bold to start out with a twenty-five minute uh, technical wrestling match. Yeah. At WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, but what match it is? Brett versus Owen. Brother versus brother. Um, a match that we've spoke about before when we talked about uh, heel turns. First episode, don't listen to it, it's awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the th this is obviously an amazing match to watch and it goes back and forward. Um, the type of match that you don't really see anymore. Um, the type of match that guys like Jericho and Benoit and Angle, I feel like, were putting on yeah. uh, around about 2000s. Um, and I wonder how many times Brett and Owen have done this as well. As, as, thinking when I was watching it I wonder if it's a like really good fun to to have that sort of match with your brother in WrestleMania yeah I think it must be and knowing what it's going to set up as well um, rather than it just being a one-off because I think before it before they have this match and then obviously what happens later in the night happens it, it might have been a struggle to see Owen at that level mm -hmm. Um but he, he, they put him there. They put him there in this match, and it's just so well done and sets up everything that's to come. And it's yeah, it's a it's an absolute clinic they put on, and it it actually it's, this is one I, I rewatched um, about a week ago maybe. Um, it just made me think. I think you've mentioned this before. All the the matches Owen potentially could have had, mm. you know, because the style he had would have fitted so many of the sort of, you know, Benoit's and Angles and things like that, that, that came into the company in Guerrero. And, uh, you know, there was a little bit, I think, of crossover with a few very skilled workers, but 
it's just a shame that he, he wasn't there to to have uh, a lot more matches with those type of performers. Mm-hmm. Um, I like you know what you're saying about what goes on later in the night. It's probably very rare for someone to um, compete in the first match against someone who's probably seemed to be a level under them. Yeah. To then go on and fight for the title, and for you to believe in them, um, and for them to go ahead and and, and win the title, and it all seem to make sense. Yeah. Um, and I, I think they, they obviously had the plan going in. I believe Brett wanted them to do this because he wanted to work a programme with Owen and mm-hmm. he felt like he could elevate Owen. And I think it did just show in that match that Owen had the skill set and you could easily elevate him. I think it was about giving him a reason and just that little bit more edge to his character, yeah. which which it does, you know, the, the, the way the night unfolds does that. But he's, it's, it's so obvious when you're watching it that, you know, he is move for move. He's there with anyone. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I, I, think, I think maybe it was the first time that I would have thought of, not th- stopped thinking of him as the, uh, just a high flyer, you know. Uh, he's, he's obviously a very skilled mat wrestler. Um, which came across loud and clear. Yeah, I think it's it's almost disappointing um, where this went. You've got jumping ahead here, but you've got Brett celebrating in the ring in quite a weird scene where all the faces come out yeah. and lift them up. That's so odd. It's almost like I was thinking <laughs> this is like the end. You know, you go to the theatre and like everybody comes back on stage and gives a bow. Like, this is yeah, anyway. There's- there's these weird scenarios that play out in my head of somebody being like, I, I, I don't know if I'm a face or not. I go out. <laughs> to me, everything I do is justified. So, <laughs> Class. I was going to say to have Piper in that situation, but he's out there already in his jeans and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you've got Owen comes out and there's just so much potential there. But I think if you go forward, the next guy that Brett fights is Diesel. At the next pay per view, yeah, I think. Um, the, do they have a, a SummerSlam match? Aye, maybe they right do. They have, a, they have a cage yeah. match. Yeah, um, I still think uh, uh, it feels wasted to me the way that, that that's all built. You've got one being able to say, "I beat the champion on the night, became mm-hmm. champion." Um, stick the belt in them, see how it gets on, but and it obviously yeah. never happened. I always thought it was there for them to put it on him, even if it was, you know you could see it as a fluke or something like that, the Mm -hmm. the way he wins it. And then um, hiding, you know, and just, you know, bragging, ah, you're never getting a rematch and things like that. I think it would have fitted really well. Um, Bit of a missed opportunity. But it's it's an amazing match and it's it's probably one of the the best matches, certainly of of these first 15 WrestleManias. Yeah. Um, What other matches do you enjoy in the card? Um, I think if we're if we're avoiding for now the 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 ladder match, which we can speak about after, um, I mentioned being you know I, I was a big fan of Randy Savage, and this is one of these matches that there's such a difference between watching it now to watching it when I was a kid, <laughs> because when I was a kid I loved this match he had with Did you really? Yeah, it was it was false count anywhere and I thought oh this is you know a bit different like aye, this aye. but then when you actually watch it now 
It's just garbage. What, what are these rules? Talk, talk to me about these rules. Is this <laughs> like an un- antiquated version of Falls County Anywhere? Is this what it used to be? It seems to be. You have to stop your opponent being able to get back to the ring, right? So Savage, like, ties him to this uh, structure and then tries to pull him up so he's, you know, he's basically dangling by his feet. Yeah, it doesn't work but properly. He just, it just sort of slumps back, back down, which is just one of the many not great looking moments in the match. And I, I remembered they, they had like this this programme that kind of sprung up out of nowhere where they'd, you know, they'd been friends and Crush turned heel. And without any real explanation, they just seem to talk about this new attitude that Crush has got, which just involves... <laughs> hating Randy Savage. It's not, you know, anything broader than that. But, um, yeah, I, I, I liked it as a kid, so I tried to give it the benefit of the doubt, but it's not good. Um, <laughs> it's short, at least. Yeah, it, it, yeah, there is that. I was um, really confused when Crush pinned him and the referee counted to three within, like, a minute. I was like, oh, is that, 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 that was... And then it's like, now it's 60 seconds. Yeah. Okay. I've I've written in my notes um, that the doink and bam bam is nonsense. Uh, that, that's that's all I've written. That is awful. There's a horrible botch right at the end of this where bam bam and Luna go to jump, uh, go to bounce off the ropes, and they're both going to try and splash Dink, but he rolls the wrong way, <laughs> he rolls out the way, bam, bam, and Luna splashes on him, and then she starts selling it like she hurt herself. It's awful. Yeah. I'm with you, it's nonsense. Um, who, no. who's, who is the person pushing for these um, intergender tag team matches? It's like every now and then the WrestleMania, they seem to pop up. Yeah, I mean, why why save it for your biggest show? <laughs> <laughs> Get buried in a backlash or something. Um... I remember, like, you know, there's about a five-second match between Earthquake and Adam Bomb, um, which, again, it, it's not the best. Um, and I, th- I think that was supposed to go longer, but I think um, I think your click boys maybe stole their time. Ah, uh, what a shame. Same with uh, the really random, I'm going to be captain of the tag team. What <laughs> on earth are they talking about? There was supposed to be a 10-man tag as well, but that got next because of the ladder match yeah um, I didn't you know I suppose you're never gonna there's not that many great Lex Luger matches out there um, I remember you know they tried the Luger Yokozuna thing a couple of times and they had the big storyline where he's able to pick him up and power slam him mm-hmm. and things like that and it just seemed to fizzle out so quickly and I think I, I could be wrong on this but was this obviously there's two title matches because it was deemed that Hart and Luger co won the rumble yeah. because their feet hit at the same time. Yeah. Was that do you know was that intentional or was oh, that I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure whether it was maybe a a botch that they just thought ah here's where we could go with it or whether because I think there was always the intention to put the title on Hart. I don't think they were ever going to go with Luger by this point. Um but there, yeah. I think there was a point where they were investing in Luger for, as the new Hogan. Yeah. Um, the, then they realised he was Lex Luger. Yeah, I, I remember, I think it was maybe a Bruce Pritchard podcast, and he's talking about 
they had a SummerSlam title match and Luger wins the match, but it's by count out or something like that. Um, so he doesn't become champ. And apparently right up until close to that, they'd been thinking, right, this is our guy. Luger's our guy. Here's, he's who we're going to go with. And the crowd just weren't buying it. Um, and they had him go on this thing called the Lex Express. Yes. Um, basically a bus going city to city and he's supposed to be out greeting all the fans. Bruce Richard saying something like, the problem was he hates people. <laughs> he's, he's like, much as you can criticise Hogan and all that, he's, he's generally, you know, quite a friendly, outgoing person. And Luger isn't that. So they're trying to force him into this role that just didn't suit him at all. Um, and I think they maybe pivot to, is it Luger and Perfect? Right. Because um, Perfect's the ref in that first title match. That's right, aye. Um, it's, so a re- think, it's a really kind of woolly finish where he yeah. touches Perfect's shirt and, and Perfect has enough and DQs him. So I, yeah. you, can, you can see that they're making the, um, the next steps for that. And I think at the time they're also they're wanting to keep Luger strong um, because who knows where they might want to go mm. with him in future. But yeah, I, I think I'm kind of with the majority of the fan base. I, I didn't really buy Luger either. I just felt like they were... It's almost quite a modern thing with some performers trying to ram this guy down our throats, but nobody really was um, buying no, it. For it yeah. I've got a really low opinion of Luger. So I was pleasantly surprised by this. I actually quite enjoyed it. Okay. Um, Luger is massive. He is. Like, unbelievably so. Um, I wonder if he ever fought Hogan about to see them together. I'm I, sure he would have in WCW. They did in WCW. I think it might have been... You, you know how Luger on the first ever live <laughs> Nitro... Yeah. He does the walk-in. Yeah. I think he maybe confronts Hogan. It does, actually, you're right. Yeah. I know where you've been. I've been there too. <laughs> now I'm here to play with the big boys. <laughs> That's right, I'll need to go back and watch that. Um, was, this, was this after the narcissist, Lex Luger? I think yeah. it was, eh? He was, narciss- he was the narcissist when he was first brought in and he was... I think, basically, he was Bobby Heenan's new guy because Flair had gone back, I think. Right. Um... And he was, you know, going to get the push. But the, it, was, it was something to do with a no, non-compete that he, they actually brought him in under the Bodybuilding Federation banner. Really? Because he, he couldn't actually sign with WWF. But I think it was Vince's way of giving him money immediately and having him be around but not be in matches. But right. it meant he could have him under contract, effectively, and start making the plans for what he was going to do with him. Yeah. Well, they waited out a few months where he, he, he wasn't allowed to, to perform for them. So, um, uh, yeah, he's... I think they, they maybe... If they'd pulled the trigger at SummerSlam or something like that, maybe I could have bought into the Luger thing and maybe that kind of situation didn't help him, but I just always found him a bit meh. Uh, the whole USA pants and all that's just... Yeah. That's proper, like, forcing it, especially going against Yokozuna as well, just forcing yeah. it in your throat. Yeah. Um, on, on, to, on to better things, what about um, the WrestleMania rap um, by Oscar that came out yeah. with, with uh, our boy Big Daddy V and the other guy that was on Men in the, uh, was in Men in the Mission? Um, yeah. 
fighting the Quebecers. I was, I was uh, surprisingly entertained by this. Did you enjoy it? I did, I. I, enjoy, okay. I, 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 I enjoyed Raven at the side, doing his Raven pose, even though he was <laughs> Johnny Polo. Um, I, I did actually quite enjoy that. Yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're the same and always having liked Raven. I don't think they ever really used him in ring, did they? And in, in that whole no, I don't think so. Era, no. yeah. Well, he was, what was he supposed to be a oh, supposed to be a polo player? Was he? I think so. I think he was just supposed to be this, you know, slightly posh, ultra successful guy. It's and, so random compared know, to what he went on to be. I know. And um, if you if you ever listen to any of the um, Tony Schiavone podcasts, he was really good friends, or I think they still get on and things like that with um, with Raven. And he said that he he did have like apparently he was obsessed with comic books, so the the whole Raven character was very much in his mind, comic book based, and then they kind of just ran with it. But they're saying um, it's one of those where you have this guy playing all these different roles and then it's it's just eventually when the guy puts his hand up and says, how about this? And you're like, ah, maybe we should have been listening to him all along mm. rather than creating these characters. But, um, yeah, he's, he's been a couple of pretty different characters. Just so I, while we're talking about Raven, I want to give um, another podcast a plug. Um, on, on YouTube, I, there's a podcast called Rewind, Recap, Relive. Um, and on that, the host has got a really good interview with Raven. He's talking about uh, promos and psychology. It goes into promos. Um, if you're interested at all, give that a watch. It's great. It's really good. Anyway, um, yeah, should we go in the ladder match? Or do you, yeah. want, to, do you want to do a deep dive of Lilani, Lilani Kai versus Alundra Blaze? Uh, let's go ladder match. Cool. Okay. Yep. So, um, I think, I, I don't know if we've specifically talked about this ladder match before, we maybe have, um, or maybe talked about ladder matches in general, um, but yeah. I think we have, I think on our Intercontinental um, episode we talked about this match, definitely, because I think so, we, we both spoke about these guys. Yeah, um, obviously iconic match, um, and I'm just going to give you a little like personal anecdote about how I came to first ever see this because I uh, I didn't have it by, by I think Mania 10 everything was being shown on Sky right. um, and you know pretty early days of Sky and I think WWF programming was one of their really big money makers at the time when they were sort of still building their, their library of channels and all that um, and a friend of mine um, Stephen he had Sky and I was like oh he gets to see all this stuff that's on and you know I have to wait for months for everything to come out on video so he every time there was a, a big event on he would tape it and then he would give me the tape and it would mean I wouldn't have to wait for you know months to, to actually see something that was new and newly out these, um, these are the real heroes in life absolutely when, when you're a young a young kid that doesn't have sky <laughs> you are the the I hesitate to say you're the real MVPs. You're the heroes in our life. I had Absolutely. someone in my life that did the same, and I used to, I would be, I would be badgering him for for videotapes. So shout out to Stephen. Yeah, absolutely. So 
he gave me this tape for WrestleMania 10, and I was like, ah, oh, awesome. It's, uh, it's been Mania time, brilliant. <laughs> um, and I was still really into it at the time. It was actually probably the, the three years after this that I kind of fell out with it a wee bit, um, and I wasn't so keen to take the tapes. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I'd never seen anything like a ladder match, and I think, you know, for potentially a, a generation that started watching just a few years ago, they would have seen these crazy, you know, table ladders, chairs matches and mm. things like that before they ever saw something like this. Yeah. Um, but I, I never had. And this was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen as a kid. And unlike, you know, Randy Savage v Crush or something like that, this holds up when when you watch it now. Um, it's so well executed. It's so clever. Um, the, the, the moves they come up with. I think the psychology of the match, rather than just being totally gung ho, you know, let's um, let's do every possible high spot under the sun. They're you know they're they're really clever with the way they execute everything. Yeah. Um, and it's it still stands up as one of the best matches I've seen. I think I would I think I would go further than that and say it's going back and watching it. It's become even better. Um, no one knowing what comes has come from it um, to go back and see the the kind of innovation and, and where a lot of this stuff comes from that people use you know it's not special anymore um, at this point it was special and like you say it's like mind-boggling um, to be seen it for the first time we're really we're really lucky to be the you know like the age that we are to have been able to see things like that, before you saw hardcore matches, mm -hmm. before you saw TLC matches and all that, because you get to see the progression and you get to you get to have seen it right from the start. Yeah. Um, yeah, the innovation and the storytelling, uh, like you say, psychology, and, like, it's not relying on crazy, like, you know, there's, no, there's nothing out of the ordinary when you look back on it now, but they're not relying on kind of shock factor bumps and, and jumping 20 feet in the air and all that sort of stuff. It's all storytelling. Yep. Um, they use the gimmick really well. It's, it's, what more can you say? It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think I, one of the things that crossed my mind was to have, I think, that and the Brett Owen match. Um, and then when you, when you look at the rest of the card, sort of quite rightly these are massively the standouts mm -hmm. um but I, I genuinely thought they were two of the great matches um i think the the show kind of felt important to me because of those yeah um and the, the other the other element that i was going to speak about a little bit was it because it felt like the crowning of bret hart uh, at the end, which felt like, you know, the start of a new era. But in the ladder match, you know, you've talked about everything that's to come after that. So it's kind of the start of that era, you know, as well. Although it takes a while before we've got, seems like they're every couple of weeks now that you get a ladder match. But um, as you say, n nothing that we've seen involving ladders would be happening if this hadn't happened. Um, apparently it was, it was Bret Hart's idea. Um, and I think he and Sean did the first ever 
WWF ladder match, but it wasn't televised. It's yeah. just a house show. Yeah. You um, can you can get that. I think you can get that on. You can get that on the network. Right. Um, we spoke about it in the continental episode. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, uh, another thing that makes it special to me is Madison Square Garden. Um, there's just something I've spoke about. I've said it before, but there's just something about that hard camera angle of wrestlers coming out, like you're yeah. you're looking directly down it. Um, is it SummerSlam '98? That's also at Madison Square Garden. Undertaker versus right. Stone Cold. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and I remember thinking that that's just an amazing event as well. Something just special about it. Obviously, you had WrestleMania one there. Yeah. Um, they seem to be going for the go back there every ten years. Although it's thirty, I'm guessing they never went back there because they were they were doing the arenas, uh, doing the stadiums by thirty. Yeah. Um, I think it's still a venue. The the performers hold quite dear, and I imagine, you know. The, the sort of crowd being right on top of you mm -hmm. it just creates a totally different atmosphere. Yeah. One of the uh, Royal Rumbles that we spoke about, I can't remember what year it is, but it's when the one when John Cena returns mm -hmm. as number 30. It's a surprise and the crowd are going absolutely bananas. Yeah. And like you say, they're right on top of him. It's class. Nice. Cool. Well... So, um, the only negative I was going to mention about this show... Oh, I've got a negative to go. Okay. Well, actually, there were a few negatives because I touched around some of the not-so-great matches. Um, the commentator team, Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler, and it just didn't grab me the way the other ones did, and it, it's fine for... I, I know they were two parts of quite often three on Raw and things like that, um, but I just didn't feel like you had quite that same dynamic that you get with... You know, uh, Monsoon and Jesse Ventura, Monsoon and uh, Bobby Heenan, or even like JR uh, with Jerry Lawler, or um, JR with Paul Heyman. You know, mm. just uh, I just didn't feel like the dynamic was quite as good as it is on some of the shows. I agree. So at WrestleMania 9, you had Vince, JR, and Savage. Yeah. Um, as I can really recall where JR's went in between the two WrestleManias, but mm -hmm. you missed them. You missed something. Yeah. I agree with you, Vince, and, and King's just a bit meh. Um, I've mentioned it already, but my uh, my negative is that weird ending with all the faces coming out. and Yeah. Apart I, from Savage, Savage kind of makes up for it by sitting on the ropes and telling Owen to come in the ring. Yeah, um, but uh, it's just a bit weird, like I say. Yeah, I, I get it. I, I think um, I think the, the, the main reason, because obviously I've put this up one, I think the main reasons, the two matches we've talked about, the crowning, I think, of Bret Hart and the fact that you've elevated Owen and elevated the guys in the ladder match as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm with you. Um, so that was my number four. Um, yep. So we're jumping into your third. Let's jump into my third, yeah. Okay. So, my third is WrestleMania 5. Yes. Um, <laughs> <And you> so, <laughs> I touched on this earlier. Um, 
about the whole, you know, Savage Hogan, this being, I, I, I'm absolutely sure it was the first WrestleMania I bought on videotape. Um, and it just having this really special feel to me. And just for a, a little bit of background on my thoughts on it, when you look through the the WrestleMania main events, you know, the first one had um, a tag match. It was uh, Hogan and Mr. T against Piper and was it Paul Orndorff, I think. Um, the second one, Hogan against King Kong Bundy. The third one, Hogan Andre, I, I get that one. That's that's okay. Fourth one, the tournament, and I kind of get that as well. Um, but this felt to me like here is two of the biggest stars, two um, as a kid of my favourites. Um, they'd turned Savage heel quite brilliantly. Um, they sort of, I think, tapped into some real life animosity, real life jealousy and basically made it the headline act of the show. I think the reason, one, there's not many reasons, but one of the reasons that I'd put it slightly above six from my memories is that nostalgia feel, but also the fact that it being babyface heel, which might sound, you know, why do you need that? You know, I've already touched on some face-face matches that, that are pretty well executed, but I like the top line match being two absolute top tier guys, one baby face, one heel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll, um, I know I've talked about the, the, the storyline behind Hogan Savage previously um, on the, the jealousy angle, Savage uh, having some issues with the way Hogan is with Elizabeth, there being backstage fights breaking out, them, them kind of not saving each other when there's a beat down despite them being partners and things like that it just all led to this this match um in the match savage plays the heel very well he you know is willing to take shortcuts he's quite verbally aggressive towards elizabeth who's in a neutral corner um and i think you know probably even as a kid you know hogan's going to come out on top of it um, but I, I just really enjoyed the match. Felt like it was a proper headline, mania headline match. Um, and I think ever since then, Savage had always been one of my favourites. Just always really liked watching him perform. Um, so yeah, that that was a big part of it. Just the the headline being really feeling like a main event to me. Yeah. I feel like this WrestleMania is like the. The kind of WrestleMania as we know it, the first proper WrestleMania as we know it, with the big main event. Yeah. Um. The the one on one. Yeah, and I think people see Hogan and Andre as that, which is absolutely fine. I think that was just a wee bit too early for me to get as into it as I could uh, get into this. Uh, um. There's a few other things that I really liked about the show. Um. I was always <sighs> ravishing Rick Rude. I hated him as a kid, and I I assumed that was the plan. You know, you're supposed to hate a good heel, but I I really hated him, <laughs> and I would wonder why he was in these big matches and things like that. Cause he's just this annoying guy, um, and he he was aligned with Bobby Heenan, which was perfect. You know, um, and he has a match with the uh, Ultimate Warrior, Warrior at this event, where. Uh, 
Bobby Heenan holds Warrior's foot down while uh, Rude covers him and gets the pinfall for the win to win the, the Intercontinental belt. And it was quite a shock, quite a surprise. Oh, Warriors lost this title to to uh, Rick Rude at this event. But I would sort of qualify it by saying now, when I go back and watch Rick Rude stuff, I think he's brilliant. I think he, you know, his heel abilities were superb. Um, he was, I think, a lot bigger physically than I had remembered him being. He was actually huge. Um, but I think just because he was always next folk like Warrior or someone like that, he, he maybe just didn't quite look as big. But, um, yeah, he, going back and re-watching this match, I really enjoyed it. And I have since, you know, any time I look through the network and find old matches that I want to watch, anything with Rick Rude I quite enjoy now. So it just, I think, shows how, how you can change as you, you grow up a bit. That's so funny. I wonder what it was that, that proper put you off as a kid. Yeah, and it's it might just have been. I don't know. I've got memories of him doing stuff like he would always have these customized tights that he yeah, wore. Yeah. Um, and I remember an angle with Jake the Snake when he had Jake's wife on them, uh, a picture of his wife, and I, just, I remember you know now I would be like laughing and thinking that's genius, but then it was like, what is he doing? That's outrageous. So that's amazing. Again, probably the exact effect they're looking for. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a few more um, tag team matches on this. So I talked previously about you know what teams used to look like and what they look like now. But there was a few I wanted to mention because Heart Foundation are on this and they have a a match against Greg Valentine and Honky Tonk Man who are you know pretty limited. But I always enjoyed watching the Heart Foundation. Um, the the other team that stood out to me on this were one that did not stand out to me as youngsters. But the Brainbusters, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, yep. um, who had obviously been part of the Four Horsemen, huge runs in WCW. I don't know, I kind of thought of them as a bit meh when when I saw them as a kid because I don't know if it's because they didn't like have a gimmick. Um, you know, they just dressed fairly normal for wrestlers. They almost, you know, they, they would dress like jobbers, to be yeah. honest. Um, their, their gimmick is kind of like they're good wrestlers eh? yeah and um, I remember they, they, they got wins against these you know really big established teams and I kind of thought well, what's that about that's quite weird but looking back now I, they're, they're really impressive as a team um, they've got a, a match here against Strike Force, which was Rick Martell and Tito Santana that's a great um, team name yeah <laughs> and uh, I think they break up maybe not long after this but it's a good match good uh, dynamic between the two those two guys are you know pretty quick pretty physical and things like that and then it's all this sort of tag psychology that the brain busters are using you know cutting off the ring taking the guy into your corner double teaming him and things like that just little things that are kind of lost in the mix I think mm. with a, a lot of well I was going to say a lot of tag wrestling but on WWE there isn't an awful lot at mm. all anyway um, so yeah enjoyed going back and watching them there was a Demolition against Powers of Pain, um, sort of big man tag team match, which I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed it a lot as a kid. I thought they all looked pretty cool with face paint and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, there was something, again, it was on another podcast that was said that has kind of really made me think. 
ever since about demolition, which is... Uh, uh, somebody just said, I didn't realise, you know, those guys are just wearing bondage out there. <laughs> it's really questionable. <laughs> I remember when I was young thinking, whoa, they are super hard. <laughs> but when you look at it now, it's like, why are they wearing, like, a gimp outfit, basically? Yep. So yeah, I tried. I tried not to think too much about that when I was rewatching this. Um, there's a there's a decent match. It's pretty short, but there's a Mister Perfect against Blue Blazer match on this card as well, which is um, Owen Hart before he's going with the name Owen Hart in oh, WWE, wow. and he's very young. Um, and it's he, you know, he's he's he is kind of a no name, and it's quite a nice showcase for what I assume was a relatively new Perfect. To, to the WWF so that's fun um, there's a Bushwhackers match and again you talk about things that don't quite look right now I mean just walking around licking kids that's, that's pretty weird but, <laughs> but yeah. we need context if somebody was to just <laughs> randomly listen to a bit that'd be questionable yeah so um, part of their as part of their entrance and sometimes part of their matches they would they would walk in and the kids absolutely loved them there was always a pop for Bushwhackers um, and they would just kind of go up and, you know, lick them on the forehead and stuff like that. It was, it was strange. Um, they looking look back really now. old. Like, even, yeah. even then, well, I can't remember what mania it was I was talking about earlier. It's eight, maybe. They, look, they interrupt that um, that song that Honky Tonk Man and Greg Valentine yeah. were singing. They look so old. I can't understand. I'm sure they're not. Apparently, they, they used to be, um, they used to have all these, like, really bloody matches and things like that. Um, before they went to WWE, Death they were match totally, legends. I think they were called the Sheep Herders. Oh dear. And, and <laughs> yeah, they were they were these really like violent performers. Um, and apparently Vince just looked at them and thought, ah, they're they're a comedy act. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what they became. Yeah. Um, and uh, a couple other things in here. There's a there's a Brutus Beefcake Ted DiBiase match, uh, which touched on earlier that they did this at times it ends in a double count out um, mm. and there's a, a really nice contrast in the Twin Towers match Akeem and Bossman against the Rockers so you've got these nice. absolutely huge guys, the Rockers are selling the hell out of everything for them um, and what I've re always really liked about the Rockers watching them is the amount of like, combination moves they went for and things like that yeah. um, so just seeing those up against the power uh, of the other two and the, the size and weight of the other two um, I thought made for, for quite a good match so so yeah, um, it's it's still some of it doesn't hold up quite as well, um, but I still felt it was uh, definitely justified being up there as one of my favourite manias. Like okay. it, nice, cool. That was your what three? That was my three, yeah. And we've already had my one, so cool. I will have one left. Cool. Okay, do My number three is WrestleMania twelve. Um, 1996 um, which is headlined by the Iron Man match between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart um, which despite having an hour to wrestle each other they managed to go nil-nil um, and it's then won a minute later by Shawn Michaels um, like obviously the, the, this is probably the, the the WrestleMania with the least amount of matches, just simply because you've got an hour-long match. Um, and I think that's part of the appeal for me. Um, 
something that's going to be really difficult, I think, when we get into doing the 2000s and 2010 uh, WrestleManias. It's like the five and a half hour yeah. <laughs> WrestleManias. Um, Got to have to drink a lot of coffee for the next two <laughs> weeks. Uh, but yeah, so this has only got, I think it's only had six televised matches, maybe seven, seven televised matches. So um, the, the Iron Man match is, is what it is. It's, it's similar to the ladder match and it's similar to Owen and Brett that we've talked about already. If you, if you like that type of thing, then it's, it's just great to watch. Um, there's a reason I don't do many Iron Man matches, um, but, but Michaels and, and Brett Hart, I think, could go all day. Um, they might not liked each other backstage, but they had they had cracking chemistry. They were they were really great to watch, and this doesn't it doesn't drag. Um, they do like the kind of things that you would expect from an hour long match. There's a lot of holds, uh, and but but again, like I say, it doesn't drag. It really builds to a really good crescendo right at the end. Um, Personally, I'd like to have seen Michael's tap out right at the very end. Uh, Brett's got, okay. him. Brett's got yeah. him in the sharpshooter right at the end. Um, but they, they go with the nil-nil and then Michael's catches him after a minute. Um, but it's just, it's a good match. If you've got, you know, like if you've got an hour uh, and mm-hmm. want to watch that type of thing, it's, it's, it's good fun to watch. Um, elsewhere, you've got a surprisingly good match between uh, Undertaker and Diesel. Um, it always surprises me the height of Kevin Nash. He's massive. He makes Undertaker look small at times. Yeah. Um, we've got Undertaker and his purple and black. He looks great. Um, like towards the latter stages of his career. I'm not the biggest fan of Undertaker at all, but seeing these early these early um, WrestleManias, he, he's just a, he's what they call him, he's a phenom, he's brilliant to watch. Um, that's a really good match, we got Undertaker winning that match. Um, one of the highlights, one of the surprising highlights of this WrestleMania for me is the Hollywood backlot, backlot brawl between Piper and Goldust. Um, now, if you... Adam, if you're wondering how you win a Hollywood backlot brawl, <laughs> how how do you think you would win that? I I, I couldn't even guess. Well, me neither. I assumed you would pin them, but um, I mean, once you've hit a guy with a car, yeah. Um, once you've r- practically killed the guy when he's trying to get out of his car, uh, <laughs> and fight him down to the ring and strip him down and into questionable underwear um, apparently the way to win it is to then knee him in the balls yeah well that'll do it Well, that triggers your music you've won but like the intersperse this is obviously filmed um, prior to prior to you know it's obviously no live and all that but it's, it is brutal I don't know if you've watched this recently but like, I haven't for a while I mean I I, uh, I know I think in, I could be wrong in this, just like with everything I say, I could be slightly wrong. Um, <laughs> I think it was supposed to be Scott Hall and Goldust. Oh, really? And Scott Hall was quite vocal about not being comfortable working with the Goldust character. Mm-hmm. And it was, 
you know how he would like, you know, do gestures and grope people and stuff like that. He just wasn't comfortable with it. Uh. So I think they basically came... Cause I, I, Scott Hall isn't on the show, is he? He's nah. not got a match. Nah, but this must be he, right right before him and Nash jump, yeah. isn't it? I th- I th- it? It must be close, uh, yeah. It's 96, um, it must be. So I think they basically took the view of this fight. We'll, we'll get somebody else to, to have a match with him. Um, so they've obviously just taken uh, the, the Razor Ramon character right out of the, the show. But he... Yeah, he, he he did a couple of matches with him, and they wanted it to be a full program, and he just wasn't comfortable doing it. So, they they replaced him for this, and I don't know if it was the fact that they maybe didn't have, they maybe weren't comfortable just having Piper come in and do, you know, a normal match with him. They 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 needed to have some other different element to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely different. It's a it's quite a unique match. There are aspects that I love about it. That there's some kind of corny aspects about it. So that they start out the match in this Hollywood back lot. Um, like Goldust literally drives his car into Piper at one point. It's ridiculous. Um, Piper's got a baseball bat. He's feeding Goldust these ridiculous potatoes that that open up Goldust. He's he's easily giving him his one you know, he's given him a proper puncher. Mm. Um but then in between matches and all that we see footage of the OJ chase because you see Piper yeah. No Gold Dust you see Gold Dust take off in this no sorry. You see Piper take off in a um a white Bronco. Yeah. And they use footage of the OJ uh, chase and all that. It's a bit silly. Um, I don't know how close to that happening that this was, but mm-hmm. it's just like typical McMahon <laughs> type affair. Um, but it's good fun. Um, a couple other good bits about this show, Stone Cold, a, m- a much more mobile Stone Cold fighting Savio Vega. Uh-huh. Uh, really interested to see Stone Cold going off the top rope. Yep. It's kind of quite shocking. Um, he, he used to go off the top rope with the elbow, similar to how he does off the second rope, but I guess his knees kind of take that. Uh, and when they're showing you the build-up to it, he's in white boots as well, which is just really That's alien weird. to see. Right? Um, I know he's he's always spoken really highly of Vega because I think he, he he felt like he could always have a good match with him and he would always give Austin a lot. Um, I think he's... You know, never really broke as a, you know, a big star or anything like that. But I think he's maybe one of the 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 workers that the the rest of them enjoyed being in the ring with. Mm. I think what had happened was Vega and Austin were a tag team. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a tournament leading up to WrestleMania to decide who would be who would be fighting for the the vacant tag team belts and a. I assume they'd had a fallen out or something like that. We've still got yeah. we've still got Ted DiBiase with Austin, but he's, he's progressed from the ringmaster character to yeah. to Stone Cold Steve Austin. But it's 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 good and it's um, like I say, just interesting to see him not throwing the fingers and and mm-hmm. not with the big uh, knee braces on that. Um, and this WrestleMania answers another one of my burning questions that I've always had. 
and that question is where did Triple H learn <laughs> to bury people? I think I think we know the answer is when he met the Ultimate Warrior and he got buried in a minute. Um, does he, sorry, go on. Does he completely no sell the pedigree? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be fair, like he doesn't take it. He takes it brilliantly. <laughs> He, he, he sells it as and he takes it brilliantly but he literally just gets straight back up <laughs> and uh, beats him down Gorilla presses him one, two, three you've got Triple H with Sable on his arm and this is the same mania where you get introduced to Mark Merrill okay it's so funny that that Mark Merrill gets like a 30 second interview but Sable's on Triple H's arm <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> I'm sure I've, I've uh, listened, I heard on a podcast before that when Vince met Mero and Sable he was just open eyed staring at Sable the whole time yeah and it's um, it's another thing that I heard on the I quite like the, the Shivani podcast because I wasn't watching as much WCW so I wasn't as aware of uh, of some of the stuff going on but he, like Mark Mero had a character in WCW before, uh, I think it's Johnny B. Bad. Yeah. Um, and basically Tony Schiavone's going, yeah, so you know what Vince did when he, he met um, Mark Merrill and Sable. He's like, she's going on TV. And there was nobody in our office saying that. What? Why? What are they not seeing? You know, it's just, yeah. That's classic, Vince. <laughs> um, final thing... I was going to say about this is the first match is a six-man tag. You have Vader, Owen, and the Bulldog against Ahmed Johnson, Jake Roberts, and Yokozuna, which is one of the kind of typical WrestleMania matches where it just seems like here's a bunch of guys, let's just chuck them together. Um, but it's, a, it's surprisingly quite a good match. Um, okay. I feel like Vader's quite an underrated guy, generally. Um, yeah, I, I I know he was really well thought of in like every other promotion he fought in. It, it just, I think, for whatever reason, didn't really work in WWE. I know there was an incident with Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels, huh? made him and, cry. <laughs> yeah. So I, I I mean I don't know if that's just it. If 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 the top tier guys don't want to work with you, then that's where you are but I mean he was always a huge monster in WCW and he, he, was, he, he beat everyone he beat yeah. Sting you know he, he basically went there and dominated um, and you think they could have used him in a similar way they just didn't so yeah that's my, my run down at WrestleMania 12 I was really surprised at how much I enjoyed it well, I knew that I would enjoy the Iron Man match but the rest mm -hmm. of it was great Especially nice. that Undertaker Diesel match, it's class. That's that's good. That's um, it's one, like I I didn't, how do I word this? I didn't rule it out. I had a few that I ruled out really quickly, um, and that was sort of on my list after the first cut, <laughs> um, and then I I didn't take it forward from there. But like the. The Undertaker Diesel match that probably is one that flies under the radar because you kind of think of this as a a one match show. Uh, and it's also like two big guys, and you kind of think you probably know what you're getting. Yeah. Um, but see, just the sight of 
Diesel hitting Undertaker with Jackknife Powerbombs class. Yeah, nice. Okay, okay. So um, we've had your number one, which is WrestleMania 10. Yep. We've had my number two, which was WrestleMania 8. So what is left is your two and my one, and I suspect it might be the same. WrestleMania okay. 50, no, that's joking. <laughs> what's, your, what's your number two, Adam? My number two is WrestleMania 14. Yeah, and that's my number one. Nice. Yeah, um, I think we, we both came to the same conclusion on 15, actually, that we thought it would be good. We were quite enthusiastic for it, mm. and then it wasn't. <laughs> so. mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it does not hold up at all. No. Um, I think, you know, you see the Austin Rock banner as the, the main event and you just think, ah, this this will be good. But no, I just thought it was really, really poor. But um, certainly the one before it, I, I enjoyed a lot. So, yeah, um, it was it was in contention to be number one. I just edged 10 ahead of it. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I think, obviously, it's the crowning of Steve Austin. Um, and as I touched on at 10 I like a you know a crowning of the the guy <laughs> yeah. um, and I think you know so much of the programming and so much of the show is built around that match um, Shawn Michaels is from everything I've, I've heard and understood pretty much in pieces by the point it's come along yeah. um, psychologically not in a good place physically a bit ruined um, and is going away for a while after after the match um, and I think there were actually some concerns I remember hearing Undertaker say that you know he let it be known to Sean that he had to do the business in this match he he had to put Austin over um, otherwise there would be repercussions because uh, I think the character Sean was at the time maybe wasn't the most trustworthy yeah um, so story Undertaker's and taping up his hands yeah um but to be fair to Shawn Michaels, the performance he puts in, given the physical state he's apparently in, is uh, is quite brilliant. Actually, he's he's obviously doing a lot of selling. Um, he has his points, but he's you know seemingly in control of the match and things like that. Yeah. Um, thought it was a really enjoyable back and forth match. You've got the uh, Mike Tyson as the enforcer, uh, just being that sort of extra element of it. I remember when I was watching, because I was, I was back in by this point, um, I'd had probably looking at Mania as I was probably a bit disengaged at 11, 12, 13, um, and then I'd, I'd come back in to it, and uh, mostly due to people like Austin and factions like DX and things mm. like that. So DX were really over, but Austin, I mean, the crowd reactions and everything that he's getting are incredible mm. by this point. Um and I think they obviously added Mike Tyson as an element to it to, I think, get some mainstream eyeballs on it and things like that. It's obviously a really big, well-known name, big star. Um, and they play it that he's aligned with DX. Um, there was a really good, actually, like, pull-apart one attempt at a brawl uh, on Raw between Austin and Tyson, which I always thought was quite a believable angle, mm -hmm. you know, to, like alpha male characters, uh, Austin saying you're 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 in my ring, you know, it's you're out of your element and, and uh, things like that. So 
I thought they played that well to align uh, Tyson with DX and stack the deck against Austin mm-hmm. in theory. Um, and yeah, just thought it was a really good match. Thought they put Austin over well. They're crowning him as the guy. He's going to go on this brilliant run. Um, and uh, they, they do the sort of twist at the end with um, Mike Tyson knocking out uh, Shawn Michaels after he uh, Tyson does the actual count because the, there's been a ref bump. So a very fast count. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And I'm not sure what in the cold light of day what people would have made of that, but uh, <laughs> very fast count. But then, um, yeah, obviously Tyson doesn't like the way he's been spoken to by by Michaels, and uh, and he throws a, a KO punch. Um, yeah, GR, just GR gets very animated when he throws that punch. Yeah, <laughs> like he's forgotten <laughs> every single word in the vocabulary <laughs> except Tyson. <laughs> He has these moments, JR, but uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, but yeah, it just uh, it felt like a, again felt like a main event, felt like a big moment, and um, felt yeah, like yeah. they were now moving forward with this top star. Um, and yeah, I, I, I thought it held up really well. Yeah, I agree. The build-ups, perfect. Um, Mike Tyson seemed to be really enjoying himself. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah, he just he, he, I think that extra aspect just it was all played perfectly. Yeah. Um, he had a questionable socket, but um, we'll let him mm-hmm. off for that. The the only thing that annoyed me about the the Tyson's performances all through it was he kept saying thing cold stone. I think he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't seem to say stone cold. He kept he was only calling Sean heartbreak. Yeah. <laughs> His name's Sean Michaels. <laughs> yeah, but... You are heartbreak. <laughs> yeah, that's in the package before the match, isn't it? Aye. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I still... Um, obviously, he was a huge star, Cold so I thought... Stone. <laughs> I thought it was... Uh, I thought it was worth doing, worth having him in it, because a lot of the time you look at the... You know, an extra piece that's brought in and it doesn't really feel like it adds anything. Um, yeah. And also... He wasn't directly involved in the match, which I liked as well. Yeah. Know, it's it's about the two performers and he's just an added element. Yeah. You you look at other just even just boxers that have come in, you've had Floyd Mayweather versus the big show on yeah. a WrestleMania and when they used Tyson Fury in a programme with Braun Strowman and it was it was not good. Yeah. Um and it's because you've got them in the ring trying to do wrestling moves, trying to fake mm-hmm. punches. Um, whereas with Tyson, like you say, just used perfectly. Yeah. Um, did you hear the story at WCW were offered Tyson first? Yeah, I did. And and Bischoff passed that. Yeah, I don't know if if were they reluctant because of the character. I don't know. Of, I don't remember. Uh, it's just quite funny, especially at that time, uh, nineteen ninety eight, where where it was probably at a tipping point. Yeah, yeah, I think the tide had, had turned a bit by this point. I, I think Nitro probably still had some wins after this because when uh, McMahon got really involved with Austin, I think that's probably what mm. tipped it over the, the edge, which was probably, you know, started the night after this, basically, I, yep. I think. Um, but yeah, just really well executed, great match. Um, some, some other really big things happen 
on this uh, WrestleMania. Um, I feel like you know you're talking about the christening of Stone Cold. Um, we're kind of at an earlier uh, part of his career for The Rock. Yeah. Um, where The Rock fights Shamrock. Yep. For I think it's for the Continental Belt. It is. Um, yeah. It's a really good match. Um, yeah. My only issue with it um, is the chair shot that The Rock gives Shamrock is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it's probably the, the main criticism of The Rock's career, really, is some of the chair shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they, they have Rock playing. He's, he's, I think at this point he's started to challenge Farouk kind of for the leadership yeah. of the nation. Yeah. Um, and... Farouk comes out at a point, but doesn't help him. Yeah. Uh, and they have Shamrock, who is playing the, you know, he's, he's snapped. He's going to snap, eh? Yeah. And his own refusal to release the hold ends up in the ref taking the win off him. It just um, makes him angrier. Yeah. Don't tell him. <laughs> Wait yeah, until he's a good home. point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good Finkel point. just said... The Rock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that that was weird. <laughs> um, yeah. I like Shamrock here. Um, yeah, I, I think I don't know if the highest. I, I think always seen him as that kind of intercontinental level yeah. guy. Um, I think that the, they did have plans for him to push him uh, to the next stage. I don't know why they didn't, but I think he could have made that transition. Yeah, I think so. Um, like he's obviously he, a believable, tough guy. Yeah, I think some of them, you know, um, because they had him and then they, they brought in Dan Severn. Um, and I've heard them say, I think both of them, that they, they struggled a little bit in the early days to get the trust of the guys that right. they're working with because it's a totally different discipline. And basically you're going from trying to hurt someone trying to make it look like you're hurting someone mm. um, and he, he said it a little bit of a you know took him a little bit of time but I, I imagine it was just the the sort of lack of layers in the personality that maybe stopped Aye. him from from getting more over but I, I really liked him and the rock up against each other it just yep. kind of worked yep. um, so yeah no that that was good and it was it, it kept Shamrock, you know, looking like this crazed uh, monster, yeah. um, which I think was important for him. Gives you somewhere to go with it as well. You like they could rematch. Yeah. Um, what you probably expect to get out of that was Farouk and the Rock, but it never really materialised properly. No, I think they they just didn't. I think they maybe had one match after the the rest of the nation turn on Farouk and side with the Rock. I think there's like one match after that, but that's it. Um, yeah, it's the first, um, I think, just because me- my memory of the build-up package, this was the first Undertaker-Kane match mm-hmm. uh, on this card as well. That's brilliant. Um, yeah, and almost like the the anticipation of it, the build-up of it and everything, because they go through the story of Undertaker won't fight back, he won't fight his brother, Um and then it just comes to a point where he's he's kind of got no option, and they they play it off that way, mm-hmm. um, and they've got Paul Bearer with Kane, um, and the whole crazy backstory that they've they've given the the character, 
Um, but yeah, the the actual the f the first match, and I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, you're again a little bit limited by you, you know what the match is going to be. It's two big, strong guys, um, but I thought they they executed a pretty good match. Yeah, and they they make Kane look like an absolute monster in this. I think he kicks out yeah. two two stones, yeah. yeah, and then he he kicks out on like three point one. Yep. Um, as well after the third tombstone they, they're really committed to making him look like a monster and I, I think they achieved that yeah definitely I think it's probably one of those where they they probably packaged him as this thinking it'll last like three months or something and we'll try and get some matches out of it but obviously it, it, it worked a lot better than that hmm. um, like we've talked about Austin we talked about Michaels The Rock um Probably one of the the biggest pops for anybody on this whole uh, card is for Sable. Yeah. Like, the fans absolutely love her. Yeah. It's really surprising. Um, you've got another one of these uh, mixed tag matches. And my only note against this is what on earth is gold dust waiting? <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, it's a bit different. Mm. He's got his face painted red with the letters F-U. Yeah. Because um, we're in the attitude era now and we're edgy. Yeah. Get it. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a quite a good match, actually, for what it is. Yeah, I think they... Is this where they, they coined the Sable Bomb? Um, did she aye. actually execute the, the final move? She, and... she hits Luna with it, aye. And mad for it. And they're playing on the fact that uh, Mark Merrill is very jealous of Sable, even though they're teaming together. He's yeah. aware she's getting the bigger cheers and all that, and which you know, a pretty good storyline just for a you know a basic story angle, because um, you can you can see it happening. Mm -hmm. You can understand that. Um, so yeah, I, I think. I've got in my notes a lot better than you would have thought it would be mm. um, for for that match. Do you think she's ever tried to sable bomb Brock? Um, I would think he would reverse it. <laughs> Straight into an F five. One of the highlights of this uh, WrestleMania for me is the tag team uh, dumpster match. Yes. What like? Here's a question. Why did they... Are they not allowed to call Terry Funk Terry Funk? Why is he Chainsaw Charlie and then they just refer to him as Terry Funk for for the <laughs> the whole match? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if... Because Mick Foley wasn't Mick Foley, he was Cactus Jack. Mm. Are they trying to, you know, give Terry Funk something similar? Uh, I always found that weird because I didn't... I didn't necessarily know a lot about him or his background or anything like that, but I knew he'd been in WCW and, um, you know, that he had a name. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, 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 it always seemed quite strange to me. Um, it's quite a quite a brutal match. It is. I suppose it's what you kind of come to expect from Foley and Terry Funk. Some of the bumps they're taking in this are unbelievable. Yeah, and this this would be... Just look, think in timeline. This would be basically the night before the Outlaws join up with Triple H and X-Pac right. to form yeah. the new 
DX, so they're right ready to really run with these guys. Um, but to be fair, reaction way before that anyway. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought the teams played off each other pretty well. There's a, there's a sort of natural, you know, it's not necessarily young versus old because there's probably not a huge amount between the likes of uh, Road Dog and Mick Foley in terms mm -hmm. of age, but it's sort of seen as established against fresh and um, you're, I think, sort of positioned to think that it's the match style that gives um, Chainsaw Charlie and Cactus Jack the chance yeah. to actually win this. Yeah. Um, and then they get quite creative with it, which which I like. Um, yeah, I, I, a little bit looked at the card before watching this kind of knowing this mania would in all likelihood end up on my list and this match I, I remember thinking I wonder if it's held up well or if this just comes across really badly because mm. I thought that risk was there but I, I really enjoyed it uh, me too, that's really good um, yeah there's probably only one match that isn't the most entertaining that's the, what did they even call it it's not cruiserweight, light heavyweight uh, Taka Mishinoku and Ag Aguila. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't even get an entrance, poor Aguila. Yeah. Do you know who that is? No. Guess. I have no idea. It's S.A. Rios. Oh, is it? Uh, so, 19 year old S.A. Rios. He was the guy that first sort of introduced Lita to That's the, the one. world. The, yeah. the, the king of Sunday Night Heat. Yes. <laughs> he was always on Sunday Night Heat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, it, like it's not the worst match in the world I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it but it's it, it is what it is but it's just like I, I feel like the rest of this Wrestlemania is just all the matches are really good yeah Triple what, H V1 Hearts really good yeah um, I, I kind of wished it had been a bit longer but actually when I look at it it was what 11 and a half minutes which isn't bad, mm. um, which tells me that when I was watching it, it probably flew by, which mm. is usually a pretty good sign. Um, yeah, I wasn't sure about the whole um, the the tag situation at the start with LOD 2000, although it's always nice to see Sunny. Um, I, uh, that, <laughs> that didn't come across great to me, uh, the, the relaunch of LOD. Yeah, well, you know it's LOD two thousand because they're wearing bike helm motorcycle helmets. Yeah. And shin pads. <laughs> yeah. That was weird. I did play Sunny. Um I just think it's a flawed gimmick, a battle royal with tag teams in it. So yeah. <laughs> when your opponent gets eliminated, so do you, but then some guys were staying in and yeah. Mark Henry was in the business for himself and just <laughs> Gonna win the tag team belts on his own. Uh, it was a bit weird. Yeah, a little bit of a mess, but generally a very good card and a very good show that I think achieved everything it, it needed to achieve. Yeah. And this is this our first JR and the King? Well, certainly WrestleMania. Yeah, I think it would be. Um, yeah, and I, I did, I a little bit cringe at some of the King's stuff. Now. Yeah, I think I loved it when I was younger. I just thought it was hilarious, but it hasn't dated brilliantly. Some of it, 
Um, just some of the language and yeah, yeah. and um, I think we've we've mentioned before. Um, you know, I, I I am a JR fan. I like JR. He, he, his voice. I just associate it with with wrestling when yeah. I was growing up. Um, I I preferred him with Heyman. I wish that had gone on a little bit longer than it did. Uh, I thought that was a really good dynamic. I'm sure you know all the lines JR saying. He's being fed a lot of them and things like that. I've no doubt. And as soon as he says something once, he'll be told, "Yeah, say that, say that." Every five minutes and every match, you know, mm. the people will love it. Um, so yeah, it's it's just a little bit cringy and a little bit repetitive. But it didn't put me off too much during this show. There were a couple of matches where he's obviously, you know, as soon as uh, a, a Sunny's there or a Sable's there. Um, he's going to be saying what he's saying, but um, yeah, it didn't didn't ruin it for me. He he, he, he says something in the I can't recall exactly. I didn't write it down, but he refers to Takamichi Noku coming off the top rope as like a kamikaze pilot or something like that. Yeah, like, and no, I, I remember no. he he used to have this thing with the cruiserweights because obviously um, oh Brian Christopher yeah he goes he practically speaks about him the whole match yeah. Is that what you're gonna say, I? Yeah. We we also had talking to Brian Christopher. We had two cool in that battle royal, but I think they were called like Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor or something like that. Okay. But that was like our first version of two cool. Nice. But yeah. So that's us. That's us. That's our top five. We've done it. Awesome. Any that 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 we've not spoke about that um that just missed the cut for you? Um, there were a, a few. Um, 12 I considered, because, um, you know, Iron Man match mm. was, uh, was something pretty memorable. And now that you've talked through the rest of the card, I think um, I might actually go back and rewatch some of that. Um, six, I mean, I, I ended up with five and seven on my list. Mm. Six was one I, I considered. Um, I briefly, although I moved past it quite quickly, considered three. Um, it had the, you know, Hogan-Andre main event, which was a spectacle rather than a great match, but it also had the Savage Steamboat classic match yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, th those were the ones I, I kind of thought about, really. What about you? Um, for me, when we first talked about it, I thought 15 was a lock. I thought it would be in the top two. Yeah. Um, as a as a younger young man, I absolutely loved that. I think I used to put it on and go to sleep. If I couldn't sleep, I would stick that on. Uh, when you go back to watch it, like you said earlier, my God. I mean, I, I, earlier I just popped on um, the Bossman Undertaker match. I can't I can't believe they they uh, hanged the Bossman. Yeah. Like it's horrendous. I don't know what they were even thinking. He probably appeared the next night on Raw. Yeah. <laughs> um, like you said, you've got the Rock Austin. Um, but a lot of it's just rubbish. Shane, Shane McMahon VX Park. You've got convoluted storyline with China being reunited with DX and then suddenly they've, they've turned on Triple H and have turned on DX and he's joined the corporation. It's just yeah. it's all a bit of a mess. I think this must be peak Russo. Um, time. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, I also considered three as well. I watched through quite a lot of it yeah. and enjoyed bits and pieces of it. Some of it's quite slow. 
Yeah, that that was kind of what put me off as well. Um, yeah, I considered going back and watching a living, but yeah, I just didn't want to. <laughs> Lawrence <laughs> Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow didn't really get me going. Yeah, that yeah that shouldn't have. I mean, I've I've no issue with having the match as such. It's the position and the that that bigger focus on it and I just think the rest of the card was pretty poor mm. as well yeah. um, I was I kind of feel bad for some, there's some great matches on some not very good manias um, which is unfortunate like the Austin Bret Hart match on is on 13 um, yeah. which is a classic match but sort of the rest of the card kind of lets down some of these shows what's the main event of of 13 is it Diesel Undertaker or something Mm, is it Undertaker Sid? Oh, you might be right, aye. Yeah. I remember thinking that 13 would probably make my list because of Austin Brett, but when you yeah. watch it, oof. Yeah. <laughs> the Rock versus the Sultan. No, it's not even The Rock, it's Rocky Maivie versus us awful. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, I hope you enjoyed those picks. Uh, yep. If you've got your own um, thoughts about, about your top five of the, the 80s and 90s, hit us up on Instagram. At Middle Aged Outlaws, let us know what you think of our awful picks. Mm. Um, next time we're going to talk about our favourite or our top five WrestleManias of the 2000s and 2010s. Um, there's a lot. That, that There is a lot to watch there, Adam. Nice. In two weeks. Yeah. 20 it's, WrestleManias. Uh, this is, I think this one's going to be tougher. Um yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to look at because this some of this was peak fandom, but some of it I, I'll have seen them all, but trying to differentiate even in my head between some and other ones, I'll need to refresh my memory a bit about those. Some of the things that I've just jotted down here, some of the things that have jumped out that I'm looking forward to watching again. Um, Seventeen, I think, is just uh, considered to be if not the best WrestleMania, then, then certainly up there. Um, I don't know if that's just rose-tinted glasses uh, from my point of view, but I'm looking forward to just sitting down and watching it all. Yeah, it'll uh, be good. Hogan Rock, 18. We've got TLC matches. We've got Money in the Bank matches to look forward to. Uh, the Rise of John Cena. Uh, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels back-to-back. Matches, there's a lot. Angle Brock, and of course, the five hour WrestleManias. Yeah, that's um, that's gonna be tough. <laughs> Some of those are gonna be tough. Definitely. I <laughs> <laughs> have to be picking out some matches rather than watching full WrestleManias. Yeah. Um, and something else that we'll we'll see through that progression will be the progression of the the women's wrestling as well. Which yes, is something absolutely. we've not really spoke about at all. Yeah, it's definitely worth speaking about. So yeah, we'll look forward to that uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Cool. Um, any any final thoughts? Um, just to to say, I uh, I fully enjoyed researching it. Um, there's been some great manias out there. I think with the network, it's really good being able to just go back and watch whatever you, you, you want to watch and refresh your memory on. Um, and 
it's interesting how some of what you watched when you were younger, your view on it, either positive or negative, can kind of changed uh, by rewatching it now. It's quite interesting. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, when I was watching Hogan Warrior, I was I was thinking, I wonder how we would feel if we got the exact same match played out, but between, you know, like. Drew and, and Roman or something like that, and, and how it'd be received and what it would look like. Yeah. And if if they could captivate an audience the same way that Hogan Warrior did. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Definitely. Anyway, thanks for that. Enjoyed that. It was great. Um, until next time, take care, and uh, we shall see you for episode nine. Cool.